1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It is Wednesday. It is February 7th. The countdown is on until Super Bowl 58. If you missed Bob's preview of the 49ers with Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area, you can always podcast interviews or entire shows over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you'd like to chime in, provide your early look at the Super Bowl, 1130-1215, the number 602-260-1060. We have plenty to dive into in regards to the NBA, the Suns. The trade deadline for the NBA is tomorrow. Uh, we're approaching the one-year anniversary of the Kevin Durant trade. Uh, I remember being at Radio Row and... And uh, like, oh, my goodness, this also took place. What a day it was in uh, Arizona sports about a year ago. Yeah, it was. Uh, no question. And, uh, you know, and unfortunately, uh, the Suns are you – know, I, I didn't even realize that uh, uh, some of these new parameters they have in the salary cap and, you know, the uh, – you know the uh, you know the escalators as far as the payroll goes. They're even prevented more than I thought from making a big trade before Thursday. It almost it's almost impossible for them to make a trade of substance before Thursday. Apparently. Yeah, we'll get into a little bit more about that as well and take a look at uh, the uh, rest of who might be on the trading docket upcoming ahead of tomorrow's deadline. But let's set the scene here with today's poll questions and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. This question up for the duration of the week to see where things stand. Who do you have in the Super Bowl? Kansas City plus two or San Francisco minus two? San Francisco out in front now at 58% of the vote. Kansas City at plus two sitting at 42%. Yeah, actually, over the last couple we a couple of days here, there's been some I think significant in, uh, news, at least injury updates from Andy Reid regarding the Chiefs, and yeah, he has all but ruled Joe Tooney out of this game. Uh, he hasn't officially declared that, but uh, unlikely is the word that I heard him use on Monday night at the you know the media festival or whatever they call that thing now. I know they call it they don't call it a media festival, whatever they call it. Super Bowl opening night or something like that, I guess it is. Whatever. Uh used to be, you know, used to be media day back in the day, but that was a few years ago. But uh Tooney li- not likely to play uh, with the pec injury, which makes sense it would be difficult for him to, you know, offensive lineman, etc. And then also, uh, yeah, Reed revealed at least, yeah, maybe he did this Monday too, but I heard him say yesterday that Jarek McKinnon, there were some people that thought he might be able to come back and play. Uh, he's been on IR for several weeks after hernia surgery. And Reed uh, said that, that he will probably, or you know, McKinnon will probably will not be activated off IR before Sunday's game. 
We will, you know, we're not going to answer that question today. We'll answer it on Friday, but I have a couple of little tidbits that we can discuss when we go to the poll question around 1230 today. Tossing it on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Should it matter to the Diamondbacks that Clayton Kershaw is returning to the Dodgers? Clayton Kershaw had offseason shoulder surgery, has uh, decided to come back with the Dodgers for another year, the masses are out in front on the no side of things at 84.2% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 15.8%. Actually, it may be more than one year. There's a mutual option, apparently, for a second year there. I Part of that is because, you know, Kershaw, when we last saw him, he was being clobbered by the Diamondbacks in game one in the first inning of that uh, yeah, playoff series uh, and uh, didn't make it through the inning. And uh, obviously, he was hurt. Uh, he had shoulder surgery after that, and shoulder surgery is far worse for a pitcher than even Tommy John surgery in some cases. You can come back faster, but it might not be. Uh, when you come back, you may not have as much success, and it appears highly unlikely uh, that Kershaw is going to pitch any time in 2024 before the All-Star break. Another question that we'll officially answer around 12.30 today. And once again, if you'd like to chime in, two different options for you around 11.30 and 12.15 and the number 602-260-1060. Let's get into it from last night with the Phoenix Suns and their 114-106 to win over the Bucks yesterday. The Bucks were without Damian Lillard and Brooke Lopez to start. And then about eight minutes into the game, Chris Middleton left after KD closed out on a three. Middleton rolled his ankle. X-rays were negative, but he did uh, leave the arena in a walking boot and crutches, according to Eric Name with The Athletic, who covers the Bucks. Uh, so that's obviously something to continue to monitor for Milwaukee fans with Chris Middleton and that ankle injury. Giannis, though, he continues to be uh, a force to be reckoned with with 34 points, 13 of 24, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists. However, I think for for both Giannis and the rest of the big three for the Suns with Devin Booker, KD, and Bradley Beal, Devin Booker uh, leading the way with 32 points, 12 of 21. KD, 28 points, 11 of 21, 10 rebounds. Bradley Beal, 25 points, 10 of 22, 10 rebounds. Book was really leading the way there in the first half, and then uh, everyone else got going in the second half for some major improvements from the Suns. Well, I actually thought Booker was the key to the second half. Uh, he had 16 points in the third quarter. The Suns were down one at halftime. And uh, you know they came out and were much more aggressive and played with a much faster tempo than we've seen for much of this season and really the last few years, quite frankly. And I think that had to be a strategical thing uh, from Frank Vogel at halftime because the Bucks were so shorthanded. And their depth is atrocious. You know, they they got to put campaign out there, who absolutely sucks. Uh, he's even worse now than he was when he was here. Uh, and uh, he had to play twenty some minutes. And you know, you had Crowder, uh, who's not a bad player. Of course, he a former son also. Uh, he had to play thirty nine minutes last night because of Middleton's injury. Uh, you know, Robin Lopez, who was you know absolutely horrible last night, played eighteen minutes and did almost nothing. He was replacing Brooke Lopez, who's away beyond, uh, you know, his wife's having a child. So he wasn't even there. Uh, so the Suns, uh, I think they did the right thing. Um, I don't think it's a good idea if they want to play that tempo all the time. 
because they're so bad on defense and getting back in transition is a major, major problem. Even last night, after made baskets multiple times, they gave up easy shots at the rim at the other end of the floor, which is almost impossible. But this has been happening for the entire season. Uh, but I do think it was last night, it was a really good idea to force the tempo because the Bucks were so shorthanded. And Giannis was actually questionable before the game. Uh, we didn't even know he was going to play for sure until the active list came out because he had a leg injury from the last game. The Suns, though, they started off one of nine uh, from behind the arc in the first half. They ended the night eight of 28, 28.6% from three. Uh, the three-point line for the Suns, something to kind of continue to monitor for the team. They uh, out-rebounded the Bucks actually, 49 to 44. They cut down on their turnovers with 13, and they did outscore the Bucks in the fourth quarter, 35 to 33. All in all, though, with so many key players missing for the Bucks, uh, this absolutely had to be a win for the Suns last night. Yeah, it was. And once again, a complete waste of time of an NBA regular season game, unfortunately. And that game didn't get over to like 11 o'clock, and I should have just gone to bed as soon as I realized that all those guys, as soon as Middleton got hurt, it would have been just easier just to go to bed because we, there's no way anybody could have learned anything that would make any difference for the future and uh, as far as you know, what you think of the Suns or the Bucks, there, there was nothing going on in that game after Middleton went down with the injury that was you know, you know, worth storing in your brain for future reference. Uh, Jared Greenberg of TNT reported during the game that Bradley Beal is expected to undergo a procedure to fix his nasal fracture. He could miss some time with the all-star game upcoming here. He could potentially elect to have the surgery that week to try to limit how much time he is going to miss. Bradley Beal was asked about it post game uh, and he indicated that that's an option. He also indicated waiting until after the offseason is an option that he's still weighing his decisions, Ooh. but ultimately he does have to have the surgery and he will miss time once he does have the surgery seems to be not that i you know, luckily i've never had anything like this before uh luckily i've really not had too many health issues in my life before and you know, i've never been had a cast on me and or a mask on when i'm trying to you know get through life but i, I can't imagine that he would wait until after the season to have that surgery yeah, he's talked about it, and obviously this new uh, mask seems to be working a lot better for him. Uh, but really, most anyone who has broken their nose and played with a mask, I think, always uh, says that they hate it. Uh, they don't have that peripheral vision on the court. Uh, it makes it also a little bit depth perception-wise with the hoop weird. So the only person that I think that like enjoyed it was Rip Hamilton. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Who played with one of his whole career after years after he had his nose broken? Uh, I would think that breathing has been a bit of a problem too. <laughs> Likely as well. Uh, with the NBA trade deadline tomorrow, we'll get into more around the NBA uh, on the other side. But just pertaining to the Suns here, Adrian Wojnarowski is quoted as saying that he thinks the Suns will quote uh, get some on the fringe wing player that they'll pick up that they maybe can play in the rotation in the playoffs. Maybe they can count on him in the playoffs to come in and play a role, but it's going to be a fringe player. They don't have much capital. They've got a couple of seconds that they can offer. Also, uh, he added that they have a trade exception and they're motivated. This is their window to win. 
Also, Greenberg indicated last night that the uh, Miles Bridges and uh, the Sear Little thing is still out there. They actually do match up salary-wise, but do you want Bridges on your team? He's uh, had some issues, and uh, that's the plural, off the floor. Uh, I would want no part of him in my organization. Uh, you know, I'm glad he's a, if he were a friend of mine, uh, he wouldn't be a friend of mine any longer uh, because of the way he's treated other human beings and women. Uh, so hopefully, uh, even though he might, he's a better, better player than uh, Little is, certainly, who doesn't really contribute at all uh, as part of the Suns' not-good bench. Uh, but I would not want, I don't care. I mean, I, I wouldn't try to win a championship to get somebody like Bridges on my roster. I'm curious as to what, you know, the overarching theme from from fans are, the sentiments. You know, uh, it, Phoenix is a franchise that obviously is starved for a championship, and you're quote-unquote going all in with the moves that you made to bring in Bradley Beal. You assess that you need something else here before the trade deadline. How do you feel as a fan, though, uh, with potentially Bridges being the person as the things that you highlighted, uh, a lot of character flaws there and also reflected in uh, in trouble with the law? Um, so how do you how do you rectify all of that if that move does get get made if you are a fan? I don't think fans give a damn as long as you win, unless you have like you know unless anybody short of a mass murderer. I don't think they give a damn. And most places, uh, if you, they just want to win. Uh, we'll get into more NBA on the other side of the break. Uh, NBA trade rumors that have caught my attention. Also, uh, John Hollinger of The Athletic put together NBA trade uh, deadline names to watch, and he grouped them in several different categories here. Group one is expiring contracts. Group two uh, is matching salaries. And group three is tax situations. So we'll dive into a little bit about of that as well on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Wednesday, February 7th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. Eleven twenty-two here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, the extra points, continuing our NBA conversation. Some of the trade rumors as the trade deadline for the NBA is set tomorrow. Uh, what is it? Uh, 1 p.m. our time or is it 2 p.m. our time? Uh, I'm counting on you to tell me that. Okay. I'll have to <laughs> check my time zones on that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's sometime tomorrow. <laughs> I know that part. Uh, so there's certainly been a lot made about the Bucks and their current situation. They are one in four with Doc Rivers as their uh, head coach after firing Adrian Griffin. They, too, also 
kind of have similar issues that the Suns do being super top heavy uh, with their roster and reports indicating that they're desperately trying to make a move before the trade deadline, but they as well don't have much draft capital, just two second round picks. uh, And then in trying to figure out how to match contracts and things like that, if they would like to land a big time player, they would have to include Bobby Portis in the trade to match the salaries and he's at least as of now a player they've identified that they're not really interested in giving up because of some of his defensive presence but the rumor is uh potentially talks with uh including portis in the trade for andrew wiggins well i haven't heard that one i've heard the one with the mavericks involving grant williams that actually makes a lot of sense to me uh you know the uh you know so it's uh uh, who knows what's going on with the Warriors? Obviously, you know, Clay Thompson's been benched, and he, he's not a very good player anymore, quite frankly. And I would assume Thompson is not going to get a whole lot of fourth quarter, you know, clutch time uh, for the rest of the season as long as the Warriors are chasing a playoff spot, which you know, they may not be the really very long because they're not very good. Yeah, they're they're probably looking to make some moves. And then also when we get down to it in John Hollinger's uh, discussion there from The Athletic, uh, they have some tax situations on the horizon. So maybe potentially some um, incentive for them to move on as well. Yeah, during the TNT broadcast last night, they really they compare part of the deals. They compared the Suns and the Bucks in the same situations. You know, the second apron, is that the right term, Kayla? The second apron? The I think sound, so. The, the, the payroll thing. They're really limited as what they can do. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, they're, you know, we know that the Suns are certainly limited in draft capital, and so are the Bucks. And, you know, the Portis thing, you know, like I said, I if they want to make a move, you know, you know I, I actually would keep Portis if I'm then. I would rather have Portis on my team than Grant Williams, but apparently there's plenty of people – I haven't read the Hollinger thing, but there's plenty of people that seem to think that uh, those two are a match, and that's been a frequently rumored trade in the last couple of days here from Dallas and uh, from NBA insiders, quote-unquote insiders. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading the the tea leaves incorrectly here, but I know that the Bucs are motivated to make a trade, obviously, to help uh, shore up their their depth and defensive issues that they're having. But it also really kind of just seems to me that Dallas really wants to move on from Grant Williams, that bringing him in just hasn't worked out the way that they uh, were hoping for and that they – uh, if they want to make a move in the West, need a different forward uh, to compliment Luca. Well, I'm the wrong guy to talk about Grant Williams. Uh, I thought he was a nice college player at Tennessee. Thought he was basically a thug uh, when he was with the Celtics. He took too many threes. Uh, and uh, I just don't think he's a really good NBA player, quite frankly. He's about as average as it gets. Uh, the other trade rumor that caught my attention this morning is that the 76ers are apparently looking even despite Joel Embiid's knee situation the impending surgery time that he's going to miss that they were they're hoping to put a roster together that will give him a chance to get back get healthy and be ready for a playoff push so apparently according to these rumors they're looking at Pacer shooting guard Buddy Heald as well as Pistons Mm. forward Bojan Bogdanovich also Adrian Wojnarowski saying that in that space of trying to fill the void for Embiid looking at Bulls Andre Drummond or Jazz Kelly Olynyk. 
they got to try to do something, and they better hurry up. Uh, I mean, the deadline's obviously tomorrow, but, uh, yeah, they've lost six of their last ten. I think they're in significant danger. Uh, you know, just because Embiid's going to be evaluated in a month doesn't mean he's going to play in a month. Uh, I think they're in significant danger of falling into the playoff round, and that would just be one more you know, set of games that Embiid has to try to make it through once the postseason hits. And I don't think there's been a postseason in Embiid's career where he hasn't missed some time because of an injury in the postseason. Yeah, nothing's coming to mind where because I, I feel like it would probably be pretty apparent if we uh, if he was able to make it through an entire postseason, we would have remembered that it's more of a norm yeah. that he misses a few games here and there. Correct. That's the uh, you know I remember uh, you know, they they've had a couple they've had some series leads early in uh, you know the first or second round where they've been able to rest him for a game or two. And when they've been able to do that, they've, they've taken advantage of that. But uh, unfortunately, uh, the dude is throughout his career, he like, missed his first year or two almost every game uh, because of injuries when it came out of KU. And uh, it's uh, you know, he always has got something going on. And uh, that's unfortunate. He's a big guy. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. There's lots of big guys in the NBA that don't have the injury history that Embiid has. And then the last thing that caught my attention is obviously the Celtics sitting atop of the East, uh, but they're looking to just improve their bench and potentially uh, candidates for them would be the Raptors forward Otto Porter Jr. as well yeah. as Nets guard Lonnie Walker. Yeah, I mentioned this one in the uh, in the during the sports zone and the uh, the grapevine portion of the sports zone today. Uh, I'm not Walker. I'm more familiar with this college game than I is NBA game. Uh, but you know, certainly Porter has had some good, really good NBA moments. Unfortunately, he's had some injuries also in his career, but uh, I completely understand why the Celtics, you know, they've their first six guys are, you know, maybe as good as any six guys in the NBA when they're healthy and they've been healthy most of the season, actually. So, but they definitely, I, I can totally understand why they'd be looking for some bench help and they could use some punch there. I'm assume, I assume almost every contending team would be looking for some of the same type of guys. And I'm guessing maybe these same guys uh, to, to help their bench. Uh, yeah, th that's very true. Um, okay, moving into John Hollinger, putting together the NBA trade deadline names to watch and grouping them into three categories. Group one, expiring contracts. Group two, uh, matching salaries. And group three, tax situations. So first up in group one, expiring contracts, he lists Tyus Jones, uh, Washington Wizards, $14 million deal and uh, is within... Uh, it's also an expiring deal, I should say, and he could potentially fill into a playoff contender backup role and then eventually move into a starting role, if you will. I don't know about him being a starter, but I mean, he's long, you know, when he was backing up Morant in, in Memphis, he was considered to be the best backup point guard in the NBA. He's a good player. I think he would be good here, but I don't see much of a fit here as far as a trade match. DeLon Wright from Washington as well, expiring $8.2 million deal. And I've seen him linked in a couple of different uh, possibilities. I don't know how good he is. Uh, liked him as a college player. I haven't seen enough of him, I guess, in the NBA player when you're playing for the Wizards, unless they're playing the Suns. I don't watch the Wizards because I'm not completely uh, out of my mind. 
<laughs> Bruce Brown with the Raptors. Uh, he technically has an option, but maybe the thinking is for the Raptors that they can cash in now while the Bruce Brown stock is high, considering what he was able to do with the Nuggets uh, in their playoff run. I would think this is by far the best name you've mentioned so far, at least uh, to me. Uh, yeah, he helped them win a championship last year. He's an excellent, versatile uh, player who can play. He can defend multiple positions. That's kind of where he made his, uh, you know, made his name in his early NBA years. Not that he's ancient at this end, you know, not even close to that. But, uh, yeah, I would think that uh, – of everybody you've mentioned so far, this would be the guy, if I were a contending team, that I would want the most. And how about the Nuggets? They could use him again. Yeah, they could. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., also from the Raptors, an expiring $18.6 million deal. Anyone needs some shooting help, but is that salary a little bit too high? I have no idea how the, all the salary cap stuff works. He can shoot, though. I mean, if you're looking for a shooter, he, he would seem to be your guy, even though... You know, he's played for a number of NBA teams, and uh, when he's played against the Suns, uh, he's had some extraordinary offensive performances, and he's had some games where you just wondered why are they continuing to let him shoot. Kelly Olynyk uh, with Utah, he's 32, playing well, also on that expiring contract, and he's not really part of the long-term rebuilding process that they're going through. So uh, it would probably make sense for all parties to move forward at the trade deadline. Yeah, I guess so. I'm not real sure what to think of Utah. I mean, you could make a case that if they add a piece or two, uh, you know, they're certainly in the playoff run in the, uh, the Western Conference. They're in the race, quote unquote. I don't know how much of a race it is, actually, when you're in those, you know, you know, seven through, you know, 12 positions or so. Maybe it's more of a crawl than it is a race. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you wanted to make a case that, you know, let's go out and get a couple of veteran players and help our chances, I can see that. Or if you want to look at the more probably more realistic uh, viewpoint of the the roster right now and uh, who can we move here before the deadline um royce o'neill with the brooklyn nets 9.5 million dollars salary could bring back some second round picks and you know, he was early on linked to the suns but that has kind of since simmered down uh but he's been linked to other people as well other teams i should say Really good defender on the wing. Uh, I would think that he'd be uh, have the interest in almost you know once again anybody that can stop somebody. Uh, I think uh, you know this is a league where nobody gets any stops anymore, and I'm curious and concerned whether the uh, that'll be a big deal in the playoffs or not. I'm hoping that somebody stops somebody at some point in the playoffs because it's certainly not happening very often in the regular season. But teams looking for a defender, he's certainly got to be near the list of the top of the list of those teams looking for somebody like that. We'll save Group 2, which is matching salaries, and Group 3 tax situations for the other side of the break. But feel free to chime in. 602-260-1060 is the number. Talk a little Super Bowl 58 ahead of the 49ers and the Chiefs preparing to square off on Sunday. Uh, anything about the NBA, the NBA trade deadline, the Suns, as well as uh, college hoops. We'll dive into it all. 602-260-1060 is the number. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with 
the KDOS 1060 app. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. The NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. John Hollinger of The Athletic put together NBA trade deadline names to watch in three different categories, with Group 1 being expiring contracts, which we touched on in the previous segment. Uh, Up next here is Group 2, which is matching salaries, and Group 3, which is tax situations. Group two, though, Bob, we start with your guy, uh, D'Angelo Russell with the Lakers. He can opt out next season. Uh, $18.7 million is owed to him. Does the deal, though, for DeJounte Murray get done? Because that's the one that seemingly is most linked to D'Angelo Russell. Also would require, though, a third team. However, the Hawks, according to The Athletic, uh, I apologize, I'm trying to find the exact quote here because I've never quite seen a quote like this. According to the uh, according to the Athletic, they... Uh, damn. Uh, I really have it here. I, my apologies. Here we go. Uh, they have uh, serious disinterest, the Hawks do, in D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> according to the Athletic. Serious disinterest. I've never heard anything like that before, so I wanted to make sure I got that right. Yeah, that is certainly interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Has the DeJounte Murray and Trey Young experiment just not really come to fruition like they were hoping for? They should know better because there's no player on earth that can play with Trey Young. Um, yeah, he's the most uh, – yeah, that would be that be that would be fun if D'Angelo Russell actually got traded to the to the Hawks. You could have like the two most selfish players in the NBA in the same team. I'd hate to be on a teammate. On the only way you're going to get the ball on that team is if you get an offensive rebound or a defensive rebound. And if you have, if you get a rebound, don't throw it to those two guys because you're not going to get it back. The next name in the matching salaries here is Pat Connaughton with the Bucks. Nine point four million salary uh, would have to be included here for for Pat. Uh, he is losing a little bit of playing time with some of the younger players, but also uh, would be needed in order to get a bigger name player to help shore up the overall roster. I just don't know what the um fascination would be with him if i'm a team i think he's an okay player uh but i can't imagine he's a trade chip that's going to help a team show improvement in the second half and uh you know a team that uh, is aspiring to do something in the playoffs i don't think he's going to make a difference now this one, Rashawn Holmes, uh, Dallas could pair the $12 million owed to Rashawn Holmes uh, with Grant Williams for a better forward to go with Luka. 
Yeah, I would do that. I mean, I don't think Rashawn Holmes is anything other than like a deep, deep reserve center. Uh, we saw him here for a while. Uh, he's been in Sacramento. He's, uh, I think those are the places he's been. But uh, I, once again, I, I can't imagine that he would help a team in the postseason. Markel Fultz with Orlando. Uh, Magic needs shooting. So does he help satisfy a three-team trade? That's potentially the thinking there. He's an improved player, obviously. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, the I think he was the Pac-12 Player of the Year or something, or you know, he was, which is kind of laughable at this point. I actually thought it was laughable at that time, uh, but yeah, he was a you know, first overall pick and uh, first round picked, and uh, you know, couldn't shoot, and you know, he's gotten better at that. But once again. I just don't see how you know, these guys we're talking about now, I just don't see how any of these guys in the last two or three players you've mentioned here actually help a contending team at all. Uh, yeah, I will say this about Markel Fultz, just going back. Uh, kudos to him for uh, just the, the, the mental challenges that he went through without being able to shoot and putting in the work and the time to get back to being a respectable player on the NBA court. I agree with that. Maybe you should call Ben Simmons should call him. Group three tax tax situations here. Number one, Luke Kennard uh, with Memphis, fourteen point seven million dollar team option for next season. Picking it up puts them ten million dollars over the tax line. I actually like him as a player because he can shoot. Um, yeah, obviously he's, he's had some very good moments in the postseason. In fact, with Memphis a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see he serves a purpose for a team that's looking for some offense. Caleb Martin with Miami, uh, he can opt out of his $7.1 million deal, which in some ways, uh, based upon his breakout in the postseason last year, seems like a steal for him. So the Heat, though, even if he opts out of this contract for next year, it would they would already be uh, in the luxury tax situation without even paying him. So that potentially uh, is a name to, to look for. Yeah, if I'm the Heat, though, and you're considering their, their history, I mean, they often flounder their way through the regular season, as they certainly did this last you know, January. They were awful. Uh, and uh, the Suns played them uh, – during the month of January, and uh, they were struggling. I think they had lost like five or six in a row at that point. Uh, but it doesn't seem to really matter what the Heat do in the regular season uh, because once the playoffs start, uh, you know, Eric Spolster, I think, is the best coach in the NBA and gets the most out of his roster. And it seems like at that point, no matter who he has on his roster, uh, they seem to play their best, and obviously they made it to the finals last year. That's the latest example of that, and we've got several examples over uh, several collections, of different collections of players in the last you know, 10 plus years with Spolstra. And uh, you know, so you know, I actually think that you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the Heat made a run this year. So, and he could be a big part of that run. Yeah, in in evaluating last postseason and trying to figure out, you know, who's going to win these games and what to make of things, you would like think to yourself and you would look back at what happened in regular season play and say, well, you know, it just really feels like this Heat team is outperforming uh, who they are and what they're doing, but yet they kept winning games, overcoming all these different odds uh, to make it to the finals. 
Well, I think the Heat understands the they understand the NBA. You know, obviously Pat Riley is still in charge of that organization. I don't know what his official title is, but you know he obviously is is the man there, and uh, you know he's laid the blueprint here. They have the they have an idea that the regular season is doesn't really matter, and uh, you know they go about things in really with that, and you know, either I think probably in the front of their mind. And they just want to be healthy and have everybody uh, in sync as much as humanly possible by the time the playoffs start. Uh, and uh, I don't know why other organizations don't take this same model because you know, the Heat have obviously had a lot of postseason success when they've floundered around throughout a large chunk of the regular season. Next name on this list is Andrew Wiggins. He's uh, on a three-year, $85 million deal. But if you're able to clear that from Golden State, that really helps to kind of figure out what your next step is going to be. They're obviously in uh, serious uh, tax implications as it is now. And then if you can also move forward with whatever you're going to do, probably buy out uh, you know, Chris Paul's contract. But moving on from Andrew Wiggins is something to, to look for because of tax implications. Well, this is the name I've heard mentioned frequently the last couple of days with the Mavericks. And this makes, you know, you mentioned the Mavericks a couple times, and uh, he would be a really good fit there for sure. Uh, He's a capable scorer. Um, Not as much this year, apparently. Uh, But, you know, he's a really good defender. Uh, And the Mavericks, uh, you need, you know, do they have any good defenders? Well, I guess they have Grant Williams. Uh, the thug, uh, but you know anybody that can defend on that team has got to be a big help for them uh, moving forward. So you know that 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 actually seems to be a really good fit for me. I don't know who they trade in return. That's not my not my cup of tea, uh, but I could certainly see him contributing to the Mavs for sure. Bones Highland is the next name on here with the Clippers. Could trade his $2.3 million contract this season without taking any contract in return, and it would save the team $10 million in tax penalties this year. He's a fringe player. So that's all I got. That is true. The PGA Tour. Well, there's no rain. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't even that good a college player, quite frankly. So... Yeah, I, he's got I mean, a great had, name though, Bones. That would be true. I mean, he had a nice little run. Actually, a couple of good playoff games against the Suns last year, but the Clippers lost that series after Leonard got hurt in Game Two. The PGA Tour WM Phoenix Open takes place this week. As I'm staring out of the Hubbard Radio studios, I do see puddles of water uh, in a in a dirt area that they're doing some construction over yonder, but. <laughs> I'm seeing blue skies, so maybe that is a good omen to come that the rain will stay away uh, for the duration of the tournament. But we'll try to dissect things for the WM Phoenix Open on the other side of the break. It is the extra point. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Here 
on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Wrapping up hour number one on this Wednesday, February 7th. All right, so we're going to dive into the PGA Tour, the WM Phoenix Open from TPC Scottsdale. First hand reporting, though, Robin Mesa calling in uh, saying that the weather is quite different than what I'm seeing outside of the Hubbard Radio uh, studios. Apparently up at TPC Scottsdale right now, it's been raining for at least the last 20 minutes with a mix of hail. So maybe my uh, hope for uh, a great week of golf with little rain and little weather conditions, uh, I need to slow my roll a bit on the excitement of that potentially happening. So we'll see how that all plays out. But I do think the weather and the potential weather factoring in is going to uh, change change the way that this, this course does play. Um, TPC Scottsdale, it's 7,261 yards. It's a par 71 Overseeded fairways and greens here. Some of the highly correlated statistics here for guys that end up having success and winning is strokes gained T to green, as well as your strokes gained on approach in certain category buckets. Uh, you're 75 to 100 yards, 100 to 125 yards, 150 to 175 yards. Also, if you want to look at par five scoring average to take advantage of that, those that are able to, uh, you know, give themselves eagle opportunities, easy two putts for birdie. So looking at the range of 200 to 275 yards, because there are some gettable par fives, very risk reward at times uh, on this golf course. One of the other things about TPC of Scottsdale and the WM Phoenix Open is that course history seems to be a relatively predictive factor for how you're going to fare in this golf tournament. Uh, players who have gained strokes most frequently have been Sahith Tagala at 87.50% of the time. Keep in mind, though, he doesn't have as many rounds factored in. He has just eight rounds uh, in his young career at this event. Sunjay M is gaining strokes 87.50% of the time in 16 rounds. Hideki Matsuyama gaining strokes at 8, 83.78% of the time in 37 rounds. He has plenty of experience around this golf course. Scotty Scheffler as the two-time defending champion is gaining strokes 78.57% of the time in 14 rounds. And Justin Thomas at 78.13% of the time in 32 rounds. Obviously, we know that things can really shift and change on a dime uh, at TPC of Scottsdale when you're factoring in the closing holes. You have the par 5 15th, which is an eagle opportunity, risk-reward if you hit it into the water there. The par 3 16th, you have to make it through the gauntlet of fans. The par 4 17th is a drivable par four opportunity for players uh, but also you could hit it in the water and all of a sudden take yourself right out of contention and out of the championship and the par four 18th it's imperative that you find a way to hit the fairway uh, because then that second shot depending upon where you are uh, if you miss way right or if you miss left in those bunkers uh, could be quite challenging and you're going to have to be scrambling to get up and down for uh, for par so the the fact that the weather at the Pebble Beach tournament the week before was so bad 
uh, it, it didn't allow players to get out on time. And so certain players just thought to themselves, you know what, I'm going to scrap playing this week because it's not a signature event this year and get ready for next week at Riviera. So all of a sudden you started to see mass amounts of withdrawals. So a, a guy like Xander Shoffley, who has had plenty of experience and success here, withdrew. Uh, Tony Finau is not playing. Victor Hovland doesn't really feel very good about his game. He withdrew. So there's some top-heavy players that ended up withdrawing, which has really shifted the odds in a... Uh, I don't like the way that these odds have shifted, needless to say, because Scotty Scheffler to win this tournament is plus 450 right now. To be a three-time... Defending champion, plus 450. Justin Thomas sitting at 10 to 1. Max Homa at 18 to 1. Jordan Spieth, 18 to 1. Sam's, Sam Burns, 22 uh, to 1. And Wyndham Clark sitting at 28 to 1 is the top of the board. So I hate the odds here at 10 to 1, but I do think Justin Thomas is back. Uh, his wedge play is back. It's much improved. He has great course history around here. He certainly, depending upon the weather situation, he rises to the occasion in tough weather. He gets really creative with his game. Uh, this particular golf course doesn't necessarily... Uh, penalize you if you're losing strokes putting uh, and so that kind of factors in really well for Justin Thomas uh, Min Woo Lee is another name to look at 30 to 1 he doesn't have any course history here but it seems like his game fits around this golf course and then if you really gonna go in an absolute long shot Nick Taylor 200 to 1 he finished second last year uh, can he find his form again uh, at this particular event Going Alex Noren top 20 at plus 250 and a long shot Sam Ryder for top 20 at plus 450. Remember a couple of years ago, Sam Ryder had a hole in one on that 16th hole. So we'll see how things shape up uh, with the WM Phoenix Open. But with all those withdrawals, the odds really moved around in not a great fashion. Hour number two is next.